never fought us. Not us united. Welcome to Under Two Capes, the premier podcast of the Comics League Network. I'm here with Nick from the Phoenix Press. What's up, dude? Uh, not much. How you doing, brother? I'm doing very well today, and we've uh, today's going to be a part two to our discussion last week. And today we're going to be talking about when gatekeeping is a good thing, because there are specific like circumstances in which gatekeeping is a good thing. Now, Nick. Define gatekeeping for the audience. It's when you, uh, it's when you keep a gate. Okay, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, gatekeeping is when uh, it's it's usually used in fandom circles, to where um, you don't just allow everyone in. You have to kind of like vet people a little bit. I mean, it's you, it's it's usually used in kind of like bad bad connotations, sometimes toxic. What like like for example. Let's say someone comes to a comic shop. They say, "Oh, I love Batman. Oh, uh, what's your fi- what uh what what's your favorite issue from the '90s? You know, stuff like that. You know. Oh, I love Superman. What's your favorite Superman movie? Man of Steel. You're not a Superman fan. <laughs> I, no, I'm no, 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 no. I'll do you one better. Uh, what's your favorite Superman movie? Oh, uh, the one from the '70s. You're not a Superman fan. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So now, here's the thing. Specifically, I 100% think gatekeeping the creatives is a very good thing. Because here's the thing. A lot a lot of what we have nowadays, in like the comic book industry, the movie industry, basically the entertainment industry in general, is you have a bunch of creatives that didn't grow up with the properties and want to change them to what they want them to be. And, that, and you can't do that. These these properties became so enduring for a reason. I'm looking at you, Disney Star Wars. Yeah, and then uh, when it comes, uh, you see this a lot in video game adaptations. Like every time, like it seems like with every video game adaptation, they, they brag about how oh we we didn't we we specifically avoided the video games. We we banned people from even playing the video games. Like you saw that with Last of Us, where like. They brat like the creators bragged about not playing the games. It's like or Halo. Uh, I, I had to mention at least once because you mentioned video game adaptations. But and we're uh, but because here's the thing: what you have to understand, what you have to do when you're picking creators for a project is pick people that know the property or at least are familiar enough to do a good job with it in a way that the fans are gonna like. Like, let me put it to you this way. Take Zack Snyder. I have to mention him every Under Two Capes episode. But um, it's a law. The dude obviously knows a fair amount of DC Comics work, even if it's like, okay, he knows Dark Knight Returns. So, you know, he's and you know, he has a history of faithfully adapting any comic book like property that he's on. So, 100%. Yeah, I mean, if you watch any Zack Snyder movie, uh, any DC Zack Snyder movie, it's very clear he has a passion and a respect for these characters. N- not even DC, because you saw like 300. It's page to, to screen, dude. Page to screen. 
But yeah. whereas opposed you have creatives like Birds of Prey, where she where not once do the characters act like they're comic book characters and don't even get me started on Cassandra Kane. Please don't. Yeah. So that's actually a really good or Joss Whedon. Cause remember he treated these characters like they were Avengers characters and they're not Avengers characters. That's just, yeah. it's, I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. But you see, and in terms of fans now, all right, in terms of gatekeeping fans, here's the thing. Uh -huh. I like having, um, I like trying to include everyone in like a fan discussion because I think everyone has like their own unique perspectives to bring to these characters the way they see them. The problem is when they start campaigning for the organizations to change these characters to reflect their fan fictions. Yeah, like in, a, in an ideal scenario, you want everyone there. I, I, mm -hmm. I agree with what you're saying in spirit. The problem is, uh, just kind of expand upon what you were saying, is you have these people, I'll, I'll call them kind of fair weather fans to a degree. That's they a good come idea. Into, they come into a fandom because it's popular, and they, they want to change it, and when it's no longer, it's, they're like locusts. Um, I like, I, I, for example, uh, a good one is, uh, like Warhammer is really is really dealing with this right now. Like Warhammer is really trying a lot of the core Warhammer. Like you basically have all these people trying to come to Warhammer, like change it to something that's not like why why isn't there any female space marines? Oh god! And there are. It's called the Sisters of Battle. They have their own armies, but that's besides no. The point. But they're not space marines. I, I know. I, I I that was a Twitter exchange I saw once where this guy was where there's actual lore that says that space marines have to be male. Like, like, if you want to paint your, your Space Marine minis pink, you want to paint them in, like, the trans colors, have if you it. want to pretend, If you want to pretend that they're actually females, that's fine. I, I got no issues with that. But don't try and change the actual lore. That, and because it would be changing the lore, there is actual lore points that, that indicate that Space Marines have to be male. Don't change it to reflect your crappy fan fiction. Yeah, and it's like D and basically D and D has pretty much been ruined by, uh, by a lot of a lot of those people, and, and you're just kind of seeing it reflected in things. Um, or it's like okay, so it, or it's like when Falcon the Winter Soldier came out, there were people that were writing fan fics, romantic ones about Bucky and Sam, and then they said, oh, they should make this uh, in real. They should change the show to make them like this. And I'm like, but there's no indicating that because apparently with sh shippers, if, if two characters look at each other at this point, they, they, oh. they must like each other. Oh bro. You, you trust me. Uh, as a person who, who has known shippers and who's, who is kind of, who's really kind of like knows, knows I'm, I don't claim to be an expert. I just, I, I, I drink and I know things. Um, that's true. That's a fun uh, time. Oh, that's a Game of Thrones reference, but 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 okay. like, um, so one story like, baseless story time. I was watching this video, and it, there is these group of people, the, these two girls, like they're trying to talk to, uh, Sam Mackey and like Falcon Winter Soldier people, and they're talking Anthony about Mackie. Andy Mackey and Sebastian Stan. And uh, they're trying, like, trying to talk about like Tom Holland and whatnot, and they're being like really freaking rude. And it's like, 
and, and I remember in the comments, like, they're not Spider-Man fans. They're Tom Holland fans. And then you have the, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the thing. It's like, you have all of these young girls who claim to be Spider-Man fans when the reality they're Tom Holland fans. And it's really making things difficult for all of us. Or here's the thing. You also have the cosplayers on Instagram that, okay, a lot of them are comic book fans. I'll give them that. But a lot of them are like, are like just in there for the cosplay value and they've seen the MCU movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you basically have a lot of models who they, they want work. So they just like, Oh, Oh, I love Batman. Uh, uh, They're wearing a Spider-Man costume. Yeah. What's your favorite Batman comic? Um, 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 some of them, a hundred percent, a good portion of them are comic book fans. Like the ones I follow, you can tell actually know what they're doing based on the fact that they cosplay characters that are obscure characters that are only in the comics. So these, these people know what they're talking about. Like I don't advocate for that kind of a, like when it comes like to the, to, to the two individual fans, I don't advocate for aggressive gatekeeping. No, because like the the people who who are who, who aren't really as into it, they tend to out themselves over time. So my my what I advocate for is just like if you suspect someone of being a fake fan, just keep an eye on like how they act, how they talk, and if once you're certain of them being a fake fan, just distance them, cut themselves out of your circle. You know, no need to make a big bloister deal about it. You know, no need yeah. to like, interrogate them. Yeah, you don't have to like blast them or anything like that. 100% not. Because here's the thing. If you're kind to them about it, guess what? They could become an actual fan. They could want to like go into and like read more of the lore of these characters in order to understand them more. That could happen. Yeah, that's, I'm sure that has happened. Yeah, that's actually the, the other thing is there, there are some people who come into it with malicious intent. Yes. That, that is the case. Yes, that is certainly the case. But there's also people who they might be new to this or they just want to fit in. So they, they like say like they know more than they do. And I think that's kind of the important thing is, is you need to differentiate the good actors from the bad. Because you can tell the good actor. Because Okay, so let's talk about this. How do you di- differentiate between the bad actors and the good actors? The the good actors want want... Peter Parker to marry MJ. The bad actors want Peter Parker to be gay. True. But (laughs) I think the way it works is that the bad actors just want these characters to change to reflect the way they see them. And the good actors are just people that just want to like to learn more. They they go in and you can tell that they like the characters. Like maybe they saw a movie and they want to come in and learn more about the characters. They may not know a lot about them, but they they at least show an interest. Yeah, like, the, the worst thing that I can ever, like, whenever, like, whenever I hear about, like, casting, I'm like, okay, uh, we need some diversity. So, who who can we change? Or, like, they just willy-nilly just talk about changing the races just, be, to, just to fit some diversity quota. Not because, oh, I like this actor. I don't care if they're black. I think they would be great for the role. That I can, that I can, that I can. That's, that's what they have to, to phrase it. In fact, even in the Percy Jackson, like, Disney Plus series, they said, hey, look. She was the best one that came up, and we all liked her performance. Then you should fire your freaking casting director. Whatever, but that's besides the point. Like I'm, what? like I'm sorry. But like, you just said the actor has. But, but but here's the thing, the actor has to actually be right for the role. Like for example, 
the guy, like, I, I keep bringing this up, you know, the guy they got for Gordon the Batman. Like, I, as soon as I heard his casting, I was like, okay, yeah, he was right for the role. But you have to actually, ha- these actors have to actually be right for the role. And I'm sorry, but when you cast some unknown, like, the, all that tells me is you wanted diversity and you're using that as a cue because if you're casting an unknown, that means there were thousands of other, and I guarantee you, there was someone who looked the part who was right for the role. You just chose someone with a different skin color. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, here's another example. There were people that didn't like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman because she's not Greek, she's Israeli. And I'm like, okay, that's a very minute change because, first off, yeah. she actually looks like the character, first off. Second off... Yeah, that, that's like, oh, oh, I don't like Daniel Craig as Bond because he's blonde. But second off, okay, wait a second. Um, you do realize that, yes, she's inspired by Greek myth and all that stuff, but... When has Diana ever spe- spoken with a Greek accent? But to, and to, but to be fair, she's never really spoken with a Israeli accent either. And the one bad thing about, like, so Gal Gadot, a normal woman I like, but but there is kind of a downside. Basically, it, they, they kind of forced all the Amazonians to adopt Israeli accents to match her. And that's kind of a little bit weird. Well, they were going to do that no matter what, because here's the thing. It makes sense that Wonder Woman... First off, it makes sense that Wonder Woman would have an accent because she's not from around here. But it's like... I mean, it makes sense because here's the thing. It it, it wouldn't make sense. sense, It doesn't make sense for a Greek goddess who has been, you know, cloistered from the world for thousands upon thousands of years to have an Israeli accent. Well, okay. But uh, what I'm saying is that it wouldn't make sense if, like, the other Amazons didn't have an accent. She's the only one that has an accent. I I, I don't... I think you're kind of missing my point. The fact that, like, they all had to have Israeli accents, it's a little weird. Well, no, I, I, I got it, and that's why they had to do it, because it would be weird if she was the only one with an accent. I... Let's just agree to disagree on this one. I don't feel like, you know... All right, well, my point is... There are some people, again, and this goes back to what we were talking about last week. There are some people that that take the gatekeeping too extreme and say, if you have oh, any yes. disagreements on, like, an interpretation of a comic or you like a certain movie, like Man of Steel, you are not a fan. That's when I think it gets a little too extreme. Yeah, and, and on, on the flip side, um, I don't agree with the people who say, like, all gatekeeping is bad, which is basically the entire point of this video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, because there are certain... Particularly, you do have to gatekeep the creatives. Let's face it, you absolutely have to. Particularly, even in the comic book industry. Because in the comic book industry, there is this lie that the that some of these creatives advance, and it is 100% a lie, because they know what they're saying, and they know that they're wrong. It's... And that lie is as follows. Comic book characters, the famous comic book superheroes have always been straight white males. And that is 100% false. False. Yeah. Am I correct on that? You are correct. Because you got... Okay, so let's let's examine the some of the most well-known DC characters. Midnighter and Apollo. Gay. John Stewart. African-American and badass, mind you, like one of the most badass Green Lanterns of all Wait, wait, time. I thought we were talking about 
villains? Like, how do we how do we go to heroes? No, I was talking about DC characters. Oh, I thought, I thought you said like all villains have been straight and white. I was like, what? No, all comic book characters have been straight and white. All the famous comic book oh, characters have been straight and white males. Oh, I misheard you. Yeah, so it's sorry. okay. That's that's the lie that a lot because they want to make themselves feel better and advance and they want to use that as a shield for when their stuff inevitably fails. That's my I, issue. I, icon. Yes, exactly. Icon. That's my issue with a lot of comic book creators is that they use that lie to cut if something fails oh the fans are just racist yeah that, that's the thing it's like i, I feel like this is kind of like a, a little bit of a cliche at this point but like there's so many people who pretend like progressivism was invented in 2015 when they talk about oh like let, let's have our first gay comic character uh north star anyone like north star came out in like what the late 80s early 90s or first gay Spider-Man in a comic book, Punk Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, you were not as progressive as you think you are. Okay, that that's just besides the, that. That's that's the point. There is that these people again, they're lying because they want to to, to get that first thing. They, they want to have that big sales boost, but what they don't like, realize is that guess what? You are lying. Like for example, they were like for example. Uh, I don't think it's like the first, but like definitely one of the first. Interracial kisses was on Star Trek back in the sixties. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't know. We're kind of going into a topic for another time, but 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 like you go back and there's like there's plenty of examples like for first of like progressive media dating back all the way back to the seventies. Like if you look at like the TV shows like the seventies and the eighties. There's tons of them with like great, really great black characters like Sanford and Son. It's just Cosby Show, the Family Matters. Like, here's the difference, Nick. It was done better back then, and we did a, a, a and this is evident when we did our discussion of the Fury arc of Justice League. That that was back when the discussion of gender was was uh, handled with more tact and less aggression. Yeah, but going back to our to our, our topic or again because you have plenty of creatives that th this is why i say there should be a meritocracy system to dc where you don't get to come in and immediately write for any member of the uh, of the well-known justice league sorry you, you have to earn that right and prove that you understand dc even if you're coming in and you're brian mm -hmm. michael B B B B bendis because you can be good at writing dc uh, marvel to the I mean, booster gold mines. Yeah, exactly. Because it, here, here's the thing. I'm against any creative coming into DC and automatically being given Superman. I'm sorry, no. Even if you're Bendis, you shouldn't get to automatically have complete control over the main character of DC. That it just doesn't work. You have the way it should work is you you have to start on like a nice street level character like Batwoman and then work your way up. Uh, once you've demonstrated that that you can keep a steady sales book, then you can upgrade to Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, one of the A-listers. The creatives yearn for the booster gold mines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to work in the booster gold mines before you can upgrade. That's the, that's the way I would run DC. Now, th there are certain creatives that uh, if, if I got into DC today, 
there'd be a great downgrading of, uh, of creatives, but there are a few I would keep like Joshua Williamson. He's demonstrated. He knows how to write a, a good comic book, Tom King to a degree. And uh, there are certain creatives that I would keep around. Cause they, in other words, has to be based on purely sales, not critical reception sales. If the book sells well, it doesn't matter what's said on Twitter. If it's selling well, we're making money. Good. Yeah. That's the because ultimately here's the thing. These people treat the these companies like they're charities and not businesses. That's the issue here. That's a huge issue in mindset with certain uh individuals in the fandom because they treat it like okay, DC should take the loss. And I'm like, you have any idea what it's like to run a comic book company? I mean, look at uh I mean just look at the state of the industry. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but IDW. Yeah, got taken on the stock. Like, like, like I, like IDW has really, really been pushing a lot of these progressive bo- books really hard. Like, like they basically ruined Turtles. <laughs> yeah, and it's like here's the thing. Uh, again, going back to what I said, I was in a in, in a debate with someone on Discord chat debate. This is when I left a certain Discord server that I've talked to Nick about, and. um so I was bringing up about how a lot of how certain characters don't sell. I'm not going to go into which specific characters. I'm just going to say certain characters don't sell. They got upset and then said DC should still publish these characters if they don't sell. And I'm like, but DC's a business. That's the, the I'm sorry. That's the way capitalism works. If something doesn't sell, you cut it off. I'm sorry, but until your so-called glorious revolution happens, we're still gonna money will still be king. Yeah, I'm st- and that's what it works, and that's why and that's why these these people don't like Zaslav because he came in and made all the all the like unpopular money de- 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 decisions, and he said, okay, cut back, girl, cut all this because I have to make up these these losses that you guys have accrued over the years. I'm sorry, it's just the way it works. Even James Gunn was like, yeah. They were giving D- the DCIP to like anyone that showed up with a pitch. There was no discernment. I mean, Marvel is so so strapped for creative. I mean, look at who they got directing uh, the, the 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 new the new Star Wars movie. It's literally a nobody. I know. It's like it, it, it's it's because to a certain degree, I don't think that a lot of creatives want to be involved in these properties anymore because of because here's oh. the thing. If we're, talk- if we're talking Star Wars, I mean, word is out about how terrible uh, Kathleen Kennedy's work with, but but like the fact that like he's fired more directors than she hired. I mean, just that fact alone tells you how how bad she is to work with. Yeah, but it, it, here's the thing: I, all this gate, all the negative gatekeeping. Let me put it this way: that, that's the way we'll differentiate all the negative gatekeeping and oftentimes unnecessary aggression with fans to bring it hashtag full circle i think <laughs> turns a lot of creatives off from comic books and all this all these other projects because they're like i don't want to deal with this because comic book fans and star wars fans and all, all these uh, 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 the toxic component of these fans will cru- practically crucify you if you get one minute detail off or like change one minute detail. Oh, I, like as a combo creator myself, I can I can speak to that crap. Go ahead. Um, like I'm not gonna name people. I'm not gonna name certain groups or movements or whatever. But like, 
I've dealt with, with a lot of these toxic components firsthand. Like, if you don't exactly toe the line, they ostracize you, they mock you, they deride you, blah, blah, blah. I just had to get to the point where I'm like, frick you all. I'm just going to do my own thing. You like me? Cool. If you don't, whatever. You well, know? we and like you, Nick. Just want to let you know that. Well, well, thank you. I, I, I like you too. I encountered I that too, dude, because I, I was in this Discord server, and they're huge Bruce Tim fans and huge DCAU fans. Uh, and, and Nick should know which channel I'm talking about right now. But um, yes, yes, I the database they got there. Yeah, I critique. I dared to critique certain parts of the DCAU, certain parts I didn't like. It wasn't even Wonderbat. I, I steered clear of that because that's ultimately subjective. I'm but, biting my tongue right now. Yeah, but I, I just critique certain parts of this. Like, I don't like this. This is not exactly the most accurate thing. And then these are the same people that called me a Snyder cultist. Just for, by the way, just sharing content saying, oh, here's the comic book basis of certain Snyder movies. It's, it's Just so you can see, here's here's some of the comics that I found references to. In other words, it wasn't like saying... I'm a Snyder. Snyder is the is the god of DC, even though he is. But but um, <laughs> uh, if you don't like it, you're not a DC fan. I was just saying, hey, here's my perspective on this. And then I got called a Snyder cultist and made fun of. And then, and then when I dared to critique Bruce Timm's work, oh god, dude. But how dare you criticize Bruce Timm? How dare I? How dare I criticize the stupid way he had of creating tension between uh, Batman and Nightwing? Oh. I, 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 I had to bring that up. You can't criticize Bruce Timm. You can't. Well, oh yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. He's supremely overrated, uh, and I'm convinced that a lot of the good story decisions that everyone likes is actually Paul Dini. All right, I'm out. <laughs> but that's beside. But my point is, those are the types of fans that annoy me when they won't even allow you to have legitimate criticisms of the work. And to to be clear, the Snyder fandom has issues with that too. But I, I'm just saying, in general, the component of fandoms that won't let you have any like respectful criticism, saying, "Hey, you know what? I like this. I don't like these components." That's when it gets really annoying. Do you know, like, I would pay good money to have Bruce Tim draw Screecher in his style? Oh, yeah, because he, the dude's a, a fantastic artist with, with his style. I'm not I'm not disputing that. Imagine I, thinking, I have, I commissioned him to do Screecher in his style. Like, dude, just like, that's got to be a variant cover, dude. Oh, oh, no, no, no. That would cost, like, I'm talking like a small, small kind of like, Four by Dude, three. People would buy the crap out of that trading card. Yeah, but like Bruce, like okay, a cover commission by Bruce Tim would probably cost between like three to ten thousand dollars, versus like a small kind of like uh, sketch card commission would probably cost between five hundred and a thousand. I'd only do that for mostly for myself. True, but okay. So going back uh, back to this, so you've heard me talk about when. Gatekeeping is good. So Nick, outline to the to the fine people watching at home, the fine Comics League fans, when do you think gatekeeping is justified? Well, I've kind of I've kind of mentioned it a few times during the stream already, but basically, uh, when you have uh, fans coming, you know, so-called fans coming come into a space 
where they have ill content, you know, they're bad actors and whatnot. They want to change it. You, you got to defend your turf. Respectfully defend your turf, though. I just want to be clear on that. Well, uh, like everything, you're, you're played at first, but but uh, if they know if they, if, uh, if, if if but if they uh, refuse to uh, capitulate. Then, then block them. Like, it's really that's no. It's, it, there's never a reason to get like super crazy at. It. There's never a justification because then it makes you look bad. That, that, I was just being, I was being hi, I was being I was doing hyperbole there. Uh, yeah. Sure you were. Sure you were. But uh, hey, I, I got I got to save my my ego somehow, bro. That's true. That's true. With me, it's just yeah, exactly. If they're trying to change it, and if you have a creative coming in that has not engaged with the product before halo and or the mcu because remember they said the the one that, that as like in charge of talent or something one of the head sheds at the at marvel studios was like oh yeah we make it a point not to hire people that have extensive comic book knowledge of marvel and i'm like it shows in your movies dude and that's one of the things that people are critiquing the most i mean when it comes to star wars it's not like they have like a but it's not like they have like uh 30 years worth of uh of novels to draw from. Yeah, I know. I, I I'm love sorry, Kath- I had uh, I, uh, no. I had to call that out. I had to. no no. I'll do the actual line. You ready? When Kathleen Kennedy says, Okay, we're making a lot of stuff on the fly. It's not like we have an extensive library of novels that we can just reference. Okay, here's the problem I have. I, I, I'm sorry. Here's the problem I have with the statement. Kathleen Kennedy is the head of Lucasfilm. Two scenarios. Um, either she genuinely does not know about the, the, the old EU novels, in which case she's a freaking moron. I, well, I, she I, had I, to have known. Here's how she had to have known. She decanonized everything. She ordered everything to be decanonized. <sighs> So if she's telling you this is not canon anymore, she knows it exists. I just, it just, it's just, that, that just makes it worse. It's just like. Well, here's the thing. It's, a, it, it makes sense when you consider who's the one saying it. It's Kathleen Kennedy, dude. Yeah. The executive that has arguably done the most damage to Star Wars. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Um. She is the Walter Hamada of Lucasfilm. <laughs> yes. Walter Hamada. Well, was... the difference being Walter Hamada is gone. Yeah. And since I mentioned Walter Hamada. Yeah, second Warner Brothers. There you go. I will uh, basically as far as Kathleen, we'll see what happens after after Indy. I, I don't think Indy's going to do that well. I think mm-hmm. it'll probably have an okay. It, I think Indy's going to have a strong opening weekend, but it's going to drop like a rock. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. But in terms of where we're going to take this discussion now, now let's talk about. Let's talk again. Okay, so the important... oh oh, I just realized you're wearing a Punisher T-shirt. That there's some gatekeeping right there. There's some gatekeeper. I should have worn this when I interview Mike Barron next time. Next time we will do that. But yes. uh, I, I, I love how this is the John Bernthal Punisher, by the way. Ooh, the best live action Punisher. Oh yes, uh, I like Thomas Jane as Punisher. I just really dug what they did with with uh, John Bernthal's story 
in the Netflix show. That was just me. But yeah, exactly. Speaking of, uh, of stuff, but also here's the thing. I want to talk about when a fandom that I'm a part of gets a little too big into gatekeeping when they say you can't be excited or at least interested in anything James Gunn is doing for DCU. Now, to be clear, I'm cautiously optimistic because I want to be optimistic about it because it's DC. However, cautiously because it's James Gunn. Although he's mm -hmm. been clear, Superman is not going to be a comedy. And it's not going to be like a Guardians of the, of the Galaxy movie. When so, it comes to James Gunn, while I'm uh, a little bit less enthusiastic about hearing some of the stuff about Guardians 3, my, my stance on James Gunn is this. Give the guy a chance. Like Let, let him at least make his Superman movie and then judge it. Because I think he has the capability of doing an amazing Superman movie. Like of all the stuff I've seen with him, I think he if he really, really wanted to, he could make an amazing, heartfelt, really good Superman movie. I think he's capable of it. Now now the question is, does he want to? Does he have the desire? Does he have the motivation? He has the talent. He has the skill. But does he have the desire to create a superhero movie Superman movie? That's that because like James Gunn has a habit of getting lazy and rest, resting on his own personal tropes. But when he really puts in the effort, he makes some really great stuff. But uh, J James Gunn has been very vocal in saying, I made sure to avoid all my usual tropes. That's, that no. is good, but that but that's, that, that's all talk. I, yeah, I, exactly. Until talk. we start to see the trailer or, or stuff, until I, until I see the suit and or casting of Superman... Then I can say, well, we can start to like critique some of his decisions or praise it because he could find someone that's that looks like Superman just like Cavill did. He could have a fantastic Superman suit. Yeah, and then like if if I see the trailer and I like it, I'm gonna allow myself to get hyped at that point. Like if they if the trailer comes out and they're clearly trying to evoke a more truth, justice, the American way kind of Superman. Oh, he got blasted by people when he used in his interview "Truth, Justice in the American Way." It was hilarious, even though people were forgetting that that was that that still is Superman's uh, motto because they I'm brought it back be, in the Super Sons. Jared, you're welcome to disagree with what I'm about to say. I feel like Superman Legacy should be a middle ground between Man of Steel and, and Superman seventy-seven. In what way, a middle ground? So, I don't think they should go full Man of Steel. Like, I think Man of Steel is great for what, you know, it is, it is. But Legacy is obviously trying to go for more of a classic Superman. That being said, I don't think they should go full 77. You know, well, here's I, the I think... thing, though. Gunn also said that his Superman movie is not going to be like any of the past Superman movies. Well, that's good. But what I'm saying is... It needs to have kind of like that classic wholesome feel, but have like like honestly, I I think here's the thing about Superman Returns. Oh yes, my. it's Reeves. Oh, okay. Yes, it's Reeves, but it's actually a few shades darker. Oh yes, oh yes. I I I think that tone maybe a, maybe maybe take it a few a, like one or two notches darker than that. 
and that mm-hmm. might actually work with with like you know not not trying try, don't be as quaint don't be as restrained by the reeve stuff but like have it be kind of you know like i said but have it have, have a bit of an edge i think it could work now in terms of a bit of an edge don't have superman making poop jokes like uh like i'm gonna say this maybe go for super, like kind of a tone similar to superman and lois yeah, I think that would if he went with like tonally, not necessarily because obviously he's gonna make it different from all of the other versions of Superman supposedly, but tonally like Superman and Lois, that's fine. I'm to 100 percent in favor of that. That, that, show gets, Lois. that show gets the has the perfect tone. Arguably, it has the Man of Steel tone. That that's just what. I, well, no, I no, I, I it does not have the Man of Steel tone, but it, it's not the it's it. I actually when I talk about like the middle ground between Reeves. And Man of Steel, I think what I'm t- referring to is Superman and Lois. How many seasons have you seen? None, but like I've seen like clips of it and whatnot, and it, it seems like it's it's dark sometimes, but it also has a lot of the like. Here's like, <sighs> it's very much Man of Steel tonally. I I, I disagree. I, um, I've I've actually seen all three seasons of the show so far. So from the clips I've seen, it's 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 a lot lighter. It's a lot lighter. But here's tone. the thing: if you're watching the lighter clips out of context, yeah, hundred percent, it looks like just that. Oh, I I, I just I... my my advice because you can do do this for free. Watch at least a little. Watch more than clips, and then you can get like what I'm going off of, and then it's very much uh, Man of Steel tone. All right, fine. In order to qualify myself for an opinion in your mind, I'll watch I'll watch the first season, and then we'll have the same discussion. At, at least watch the first season because the first because the creators of that show were ve- were very clear. Oh yeah, we were definitely inspired by Man of Steel. Um, I mean, I'm not denying the Man of Steel inspirations are there. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying it's not a transmogrification of Man of Steel. No, I, I never said that. I'm just saying it's the, the tone is like very much in line with a lot of what of, of Man of Steel. I, I I'm not denying it's similar. I'm not denying the tone is is it is is it, but it's it's it just it feels like it has a little bit more of a lighter. It, we'll, we'll have a discussion another time. Yeah, yeah, at a later time. But uh, again, the the thing is is that and by the way. If you want to talk about a fandom that gatekeeps, try try engaging in any way with the Superman fandom. Because you remember I told you about the backlash I got from the Lois Lane thing, right? That is insanely gatekeeping, dude. And it's yeah. like Dawson, a good friend of mine who's doing the art for my comic, he even said that he had to leave a couple of Facebook groups because if you even praise Zack Snyder in any way in these Superman Facebook groups, that, by the way, they think the only version of Superman that has ever existed is the Christopher Reeves version, they will blast you. <laughs> that, that is the thing. And to be clear, I like the Christopher Reeves version. It's not my cup of tea, but I acknowledge the historical significance of the character. And you know what? It is comic accurate, to Superman of the time, of Silver Age. It has a lot of the Silver Age tropes, like weird powers, like flying backwards to to reverse time, that would show up in the Silver Age. That's why I'm like, it's Silver Age Superman, so okay, it's comic accurate. There you go. Yeah. And and that's another uh, of my problems there, actually. uh, And then we'll wrap up. The thing about the anti-Snyder fandom is that a lot of them just have a problem, just don't like, like, 
Frank Miller's work or the new 52 because when I get down to the points of it, let me put it this way. The Snyderverse was inspired by oh by the way uh, uh something just came across my news feed it's uh, and nick shared this the flash scraps many cameos including grant gustin's flash there you go haha <laughs> suck it nick but um <laughs> looks like you don't get to like go oh my looks like you don't get to like uh rub it in on the show huh but anyway <laughs> the thing is is that what was it oh, oh yeah the thing about it is that with reeves Again, he's doing a very specific version of Superman. I, I just want... Oh, okay, so go, go back to what I was saying. I, I remember what I was going for. It's like when I was debating these people, I would get down to the point that they would say, Snyder was not a fan of any of the comics. I'm like, Dark Knight Returns in the new um, 52. Have you, see, have you seen... Have you actually watched BVS Justice League? Like, I'm sorry. That movie can only be made by some... Like, made by someone who was a fan of, like... Do you think some like some run of the mill creative would even think about bringing in anti life? Like, I'm sorry. No. Oh, even if you're like, on dark, because here's the thing: in the new Fifty Two Justice League, Darkseid didn't show up looking for Darkseid. He showed up looking for his daughter. Snyder went with the more complicated one, and it's like, here's the thing: ultimately. Uh, I stumped someone on Twitter. It's one of my proudest moments when I said, it sounds like you have more of a problem with Frank M M Miller in the new 52 than you do on Zack Snyder because you're aware that these are the comics of the time and in, in the case of Dark Knight Returns that, yes, Snyder liked, but that's revered as one of the best Batman stories of all time. Excuse me if he adapted a storyline that most of the fan base likes. You yeah, may not I mean like it. That's fine. But... Enough people liked it that that at the studio said, "Okay, you're doing basically Dark Knight Returns." Okay. Yeah, I mean it's pretty much an accepted fact that like uh, Frank Miller of the '90s and 2000s, uh, it kind of gets like it's kind of like a degradation of his writing quality throughout the years. But his '80s stuff is 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 some of the is goat. Yeah, you can't deny that Dark... Uh, and, and again, these are the people that are like, I don't like Dark Knight Returns. And, and there are still some people that argued with me when I said Batman shot someone in Dark Knight Returns. They're like, uh, I, I killed someone. Like, no, he didn't. In, in that scene, in, in the Dark Knight Returns comic where he, like, aims the gun and goes, I believe you, and then he shoots, and then you all of a sudden just see a splatter. And I'm like, yeah, he killed that person. And they're like, no, they didn't, because they watched the animated movie where they changed it. I gotta say... Um, like, I know that Batman sometimes uses guns, but, like, I actually love his anti-gun policy, and it made for a he great doesn't. character. Well, in, in, in the DC uh, animated universe, he has an anti-gun policy. Yeah, that, it, that's where a lot of people th got his anti-gun policy, which and, is, and I which will is say, funny considering the okay, fact that he uses vehicles that Jared, have cannons on them. Jared, um, my argument is some iterations of the comic book version of Batman are also anti-gun. Some of them, yes, but not the modern one. Definitely not the modern so that, one. So that's why I reject the label that like Batman is not anti-gun. I think the the if if we want to be fair about this, we need to say some versions are anti-gun, some versions are pro-gun. Okay, so the way that the that, that we have to approach this thing on the internet is just say, okay, some people have a different perspective so, than other people, but here's the thing, though. If they're advocating for characters to change, 
just because it's not their version, that's when specifically I have an issue with with the gatekeeping. Because guess what? Yes, there have been many different versions of these characters. No one can say what's the definitive version. Because that's my other issue with the gatekeeping crowd is that they tend to, to look at their favorite version of the character, which it's more than fine to be their favorite version. But then they say that is the version that all other versions should be based on and that 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 is the version and i'm like no because that's extremely subjective i could say the new 52 superman is the best version of uh, of superman but he's not the definitive version there is no definitive version of superman that's just that's just that's just my point on that Okay, but in so on that note, I think it's a good place to leave it, folks. Uh, Nick, Nick wh where can everyone find you, and what have you got coming out on the channel? Uh, they know where to find me. It's all good. All right, all right. And don't forget, on Sunday, Nick is hosting the full panel Justice League, uh, the full circle Justice League panel that's going to be discussing, uh, that's going to be reacting to the the um full full circle panel for the Snyder Cut and hopefully I would like to 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 believe hopefully the announcement that that he's going to do more DC content it could very well happen you never know and remember to um today um the, at the time that this is going out today we are going to be doing again I'm going to be hosting the BVS panel on this stream at I believe 9:15 p.m. Uh, that's at least when I'll be starting streaming, even if they don't start it, because it does say on Vero that there's going to be some delays. So I would just start it early just so you can be up and, and running and don't have any technical difficulties and stuff. So we got that coming out. And then on Monday, uh, on um, Monday, I'm still like going over what I want to do for a video, but I will say my next fan edit is going to be a compilation video of all three Snyder movies of Superman saving people because there are people that have seen these movies and still say Superman hasn't saved anyone. So stay heroic, everyone, and I'll be sure to see you in the next Under Two Capes episode. <laughs>